Um, I was going to title it An Appointment with Disappointment because we all have gone through disappointments and we very surely will go through disappointments. We all have an appointment with disappointment. You can all testify to that. Now, but we're speaking to people this afternoon in this teaching that are really going through it. They're being hit from left, right, from, fo- from, the, from the front, from the back with disappointments all over. And they're asking why. Why am I going through all of this disappointment? They're being hurled into a tailspin of questions, questioning God, questioning their own faith, questioning why God is allowing these disappointments to come into their life. Now, we've gone through disappointments, some of them petty. I'm not talking about those this afternoon. I'm not talking about somebody taking your favorite seat on a Sunday afternoon. I'm not talking about the choir not singing the song that you wanted them to sing. Uh, I'm talking about those heavy disappointments that come into our life. Hopes dashed, expectations unmet, promises broken, doors slammed in our faces, unexpected news. Have you been there? Turn of events that were not expected. They catch us off guard. They hurl us into a tailspin of questions and doubts and fears and uncertainty. Prayers that seemingly go unanswered. We have one side of the card, but we're just waiting and waiting for that chance to be able to turn that that, that cardboard over. And we still haven't received the answer, that complete deliverance. Disappointments, probably in our family. Disappointments with our kids. Choices that they make that let us down. Disappointments in finances. You're expecting a refund from the IRS and you have to pay them back. (laughs) Disappointments. Friends, brethren, even in the house of God, you came in and like those little kids, you were saying, he is risen. And then you fall off the chair because somebody disappointed you in the house of God. Employment, disappointments with your health, things that you weren't expecting, reports from the doctor. Just the things of age, you're getting older. Amen, I hear amens. <laughs> things that you weren't expected to come to you at a certain age, and they're there, and you got to deal with them. Disappointments in your health, disappointments in marriage, disappointments in ministry. We're dealing with those things that come to you, to I, and to everyone who calls on the name of Jesus. We're not exempt from disappointments. The question is, Are we willing to allow these disappointments to do what they're sent forth to do in our life? I want you to turn with me to Romans chapter 4, and we're going to read the last verse of that chapter. And then we're going to go on into Romans 5 and read the first five verses. When you have it, say amen. Romans 4.25, he was handed over to die because of our sins. And he was raised to life to make us right with God. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Why do we have peace? Because of what he has done. Not because of our circumstances, not because of what we have done, not because of what we see with the natural eye, but because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. We have peace with God. It goes on to say, because of our faith, Christ has brought us into a place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Now listen to these words. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. 
Can we add disappointments to those problems? Sure we can. We can rejoice too when we run into disappointments, trials, and problems. For we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. So we're starting this teaching on the premise that these disappointments that come into our life have a purpose, have a plan, a divinely ordained plan to draw you and I to a place that God wants us to be. The question is, are we willing to allow those disappointments to take us there? And I think it's fitting that we're on Resurrection Sunday. We could focus on the events that happened immediately after Jesus Christ was resurrected. Because you've never seen such a disappointed crowd than the disciples. When they hadn't fully understood the resurrection. Fully hadn't understood the crucifixion of Christ. And all the sufferings that he went through. This is a, a group of disappointed people. They're let down by probably... The expectancy that they had God to deliver them from the Roman Empire. And from the rule that he had over the Jewish people. And they were probably expecting some great and mighty move. And angels to come down when Jesus was tortured. When, when Jesus was being uh, betrayed and handed over to the authorities. And they were just expecting God to move in a different way. But God did it in a way that they couldn't understand. And they couldn't see right there and then that their tragedy and their disappointment was God's very plan for their life. Was God's very uh, uh, deliverance for their life. Was a way for salvation for all of humanity. They couldn't understand it. There's a picture of those on the road to Emmaus that are just downcast in despair. Jesus comes alongside of them. They can't recognize him. That he's walking and he's just listening to their conversation. He says, why are you so sad? What's this conversation? What, what are you talking about? And they say, are you the only stranger here in Israel? Are you the only one that doesn't know what's going on? Like, and Jesus is right there. They're talking to Jesus and accusing him of not knowing what's going on. And you and I may be there in a place of disappointment and say, God, don't you see what's going on? And he's right there. And our eyes can't see it. Our prayer this afternoon is that our eyes be open to the glory of God, the one who's closer as, the men as close as the mention of his name. He's right there in the midst of your disappointment. And they say, we had hoped, they begin to explain to him, we had hoped that he was the Messiah who would come to rescue Israel. We had our hopes dashed. It didn't happen the way it was supposed to happen. Mary hopes to find him in the, in the tomb and, and she can't find him. And she thinks the gardener is, is, is there and it's Jesus right before. She can't see it. And she's blinded by her grief and her despair, his, her disappointment. And she, she's saying, if you've taken him somewhere, tell me where he is and I'll take it from there. I'll, I'll be in charge of his body. I'll take care. Because she wants to do something for God. She wants to uh, 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 minister to his body and, and, and her, her hopes are dashed. She can't find the body of Christ. Peter Hopes that he would uh, take a stand for Jesus. He, he says, I'll go to prison for you. I'll die for you. I'll go even to death for you. And I'll, I'll do anything. When Jesus had said, you're going to deny me. And, and, and the enemy has desired to have you and sift you like wheat. And he's disappointed in his own, in his own inability to, to stand for Jesus. He denies it. He lies about knowing God. He curses. He, he's like a mess. He's a mess. Can you imagine the disappointment that Peter has uh, when he looks at his own frailty, his own uh, uh, failures? So my first point is, can we allow 
these disappointments to challenge our dependence. We need to allow our dependence to be challenged. Where, where we're standing, what we're resting on, what we're trusting on. Peter was trusting in his own ability to stand for God. Uh, disappointments can lead us to a deeper reliance on God. Paul, Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians 1, 8 and 9. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. Listen to this. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. This is the resurrected God who's confronting his disappointed disciples and he wants to lead them to a place where they can trust in the resurrected God. The one who overcame the grave. The one who overcame death. The one who says, death, where is your sting? And grave, where's your victory? The one who says, if you're in me, you can overcome. If you're in me, you have the victory. You can walk in victory like Colin was singing. You could say, I want my joy back. I'm going to take my joy back. I'm going to get my peace back. I'm going to get my hope back. Because I stand in the living, resurrected Christ that overcame came the grave and he's right before them and he wants to draw them into that place where their dependency, their faith, their confidence, their hope is in Christ and in Christ alone. That their song would be on Christ the solid rock I stand. No other ground I'm going to lean on. I, I, my, he is my solid rock. I'm not going to trust the sweetest frame. I'm going to lean on his holy name. The disciples were strong-willed. They were self-reliant. They had hope in their own zeal. They had hope in their own righteousness. And then when all that fails, Jesus, uh, Peter says, I'm going fishing. And others say, yeah, we'll go with you, man. At least there's one thing we can do. Because we failed him every time we said we would stand for him. We failed him. We forsook him when we said we would never leave him. So we're, we're a mess. But you know what? You're going fishing. We know how to fish. We'll go with you. Something familiar. At least, at least there's something I could be... Uh, uh, I could show myself strong. I could show myself worthy. You know, I could provide for my family. I could do this. And how many of you know that we need him for everything in our lives? Our need for him is constant. And this is where Jesus was drawing them to that realization where we need him for everything. It says all night long in John 21, three, they caught nothing. They caught nothing. Even in something that they knew how to do. They knew where the fish were. They knew what time the fish were, 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 were going to fall in that net. They knew the areas. They, they, they were expert fishermen. And they caught nothing all night. Jesus again leading them to that place of total dependency upon God. Your need for me is constant. You think you know how to be a father? God is going to bring disappointments into your life. So you can cry out to the father, almighty God, I don't know how to be a dad. You think you know how to be a, a worker, a co-worker. God's going to bring uh, you into a place where you need him on the job, where you need him in your family, where you need him with your finances, where you need him. And it's a good place to be, even though we don't like the disappointments, but God is leading us to a place where whether we're on the mountaintop or in the valley, we know where our hope is in. We know who we put our trust in. Our confidence is not in the flesh, but is in a God who cannot fail. It's amazing that even when they catch the fish, you know the story. Jesus says, 
throw the net on the right side. They throw the net on the right side. They don't know it's Jesus again. They throw the net on the right side and they catch a, a, an incredible catch of fish. A, a little, another boat of disciples needs to go out there and help them to drag these fish to the shore because they can't do it in their own strength. So God is showing them that even when the, the blessing comes, even when the miracle comes that you've been waiting for, that you've been asking God for, you can't handle it on your own. Amen? Sometimes we're disappointed because we want this and we're asking God, I want this, please come, fulfill this in my life. We can't even handle what God has in store for us. We need God, whether we're on the mountaintop, in the valley, whether we have nothing or we're in abundance, we need God. Amen? Our need for him is constant. That's what di disappointments want to teach us. They also want to teach us that God's plans have not been canceled. Even though we see failure, we see disappointment, we see our own frailties, God's plans for us have not been canceled. We praise God, John 21, 4, but when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. In the midst of their disappointment, Jesus was there. Jesus was waiting for them. Jesus was drawing them to himself. I'm sure some people were disappointed in God and in their Christ and how things had gone about. But Peter was disappointed in himself. Man, I've blown it. I've blown it. I've, I've, I've denied my master. I think his plans for me are thwarted. I've frustrated his, the destiny that God had for my life. I started in the garden. I should have stayed awake. I fell asleep. I was too weak. I, I couldn't even stay awake with him one hour. And, and those, that voice hearing, you couldn't even wait for me one hour. And then he denies him. And then he looks back and Jesus looks back at him. And Peter begins to weep and to repent bitterly before the Lord. And he's just a mess. And, and the cock crows. And he could hear that. He can still hear the cock crowing. And all these voices like we heard of this morning. Just telling him, you've blown it. You've failed God. There's no way back into me. Yeah, sure. He'll accept you as just, a, you could keep on coming to church. But ministry is not a place for you. Fruitfulness is not a place for you. God is not going to use you. You can come, enjoy, lift your hands and worship. But God is not, doesn't have mighty plans for you. I'm here to tell you, God's plans and purposes for you have not been canceled because of your disappointments. Sometimes ministry disappointments. We were expecting God to move. We, we fasted, we prayed, we sought God and we, we thought he was opening this door and we walked through it and we fall flat on our face just like Mary and, and, and preparing ointments and, and doing this great work for the body of Christ and, and just preparing to go and anoint this body of Christ and coming to an empty tomb and not finding God there, not finding the body of Christ there. There may be people searching, uh, searching for a way to please God and do some great work for God to earn favor in his sight. And you need God to just call you by name this afternoon, like he did to Mary. Call you by name and says, look at me. It's not about what you do for me. It's about what I've done for you. Oh. Jesus wants you to look at his nail-scarred hands and nailed feet and the scar in his side and, the, and, and to, for you to realize that it's all about what he did for me. We can rest in that. We don't have to be all trying and disappointed because the things didn't work out in ministry the way we thought they were going to work out. Pastors, preachers, teachers, children's workers. Oh my goodness. Talk about disappointments. You're seeking God. You feel like those kids are going to be slain in the spirit. They're going to be worshiping and they're all over the place. They're just bouncing around. 
ushers, you've been seeking God for God's favor, for order in the house of God, and you come to an Easter service, and there's never been more incidents that you have to take care of, than, and you're like, whoa, what is going on here? <laughs> Disappointments. Disappointments. But Jesus meets you, and he's drawing you to a place where you, you understand that he has not finished with you. He is not done with you. His plans are still in effect for your life. I've been here, and maybe this is one of those times where I'm preaching a message and teaching something, and, and after it's over, I'm like, what was that? And I'm expecting a good word from somebody. Hey, a good word, and there's nothing. It's like, oh, God bless you. God bless you. And I'm like, what was that? Disappointment. Have, have you been there, pastors? Where, where you don't even understand why, why... But God, God knows. Thank you, brother. But God knows. He knows exactly what he's doing in you. And he knows what he's doing through you. And you have no idea. But he wants to bring us to a place where we don't rest upon our performance. We don't rest upon how good that solo came out. We don't rest upon those things. We rest upon the power of God. Our, our, our hope, our anchor is in God. And that God's plans are not canceled. And they cannot be canceled for our life. Amen. I remember one brother met me in, in a men's fellowship, and he says, can I stop? Can I, can I uh, speak with you just a quick word? And I said, sure, sure. I, I don't think I had ever met this brother before. Or we had never really spoken, engaged in conversation. He says, I want, I want to tell you one day, one uh, uh, day I was on my way to church, and I was battling so hard in my mind and my heart, and I was going to turn around. I was ready to give up and go back home. But something in his heart told him, just keep on going to church. So he prayed and he says, God, if you don't speak to me, then it's over. It's done. And he says, I preached a word that Sunday that, that just encouraged him and met him right at the point of his need. Now, th this is a sermon that I preached years before he's, he mentioned this to me. I'm like, where were you that day that I preached, man? I needed, I needed a word of encouragement. Because that was one of the words that I said, this is terrible. That was like random thoughts on randomness. It was like, like, what in the world? But God ordained my steps to, to speak with that brother because he encouraged me so much. And what, what I learned was that God is on the move. We don't look to our disappointments and measure how God is moving. His, his, in fact, his, his, his plans for us are so higher than our expectations, right? They exceed our expectations. So even if my expectations are dashed to the ground, God's still in control. God still has a glorious plan beyond anything I could ever imagine. Amen? So be encouraged. Be encouraged in ministry. And my last point on that, on that first point is that our lives are in his care, in the palm of his hands. When they got there... When they got to the shore, these disciples, they found breakfast waiting for them. Fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Think of this. I mean, the God of the universe who could have just said bread and fish. He's cooking something. He's taking the time to, to bring it to its perfect uh, uh, whatever. I don't know if they liked it raw or if they liked it a little bit uh, uh, medium well done. I don't know, but he's cooking it. Till it's, till it's perfect. He's probably asking him, how do you like it? Well done? You like it? Not too burnt. Not too burnt. He's, he's preparing, tailor-making tailor breakfast for these disciples. 
He knows exactly where they are in their disappointments and in their failures. He knows exactly. And he's got their lives in the palm, in the tender, loving care of his hands, his nail-scarred hands. He knows where the fish are. He knows where the fish are. He knows where to supply your every need. But he knows, more importantly, where you are. Yes, Jehovah Jireh, he supplies your need. He can answer your request right now. He can lift you out of the disappointment, but he wants to tell you, I've got you in the palm of my hand. You can rejoice even before you see the miracle. You can rejoice even before I lift you out of that disappointment. I want to lift you into my joy. He knows where you and I are. Amen. He's after our trust. He's after our confidence. He's after that place where, where our heart surrenders to him and says, nevertheless, I don't care about my disappointments. I don't care where this is leading me. I don't care. Nevertheless, not my will be done, but let thy will be done in my life. Amen. Are we allowing these disappointments to, <clears throat> to challenge our, our, our dependence on God? And secondly, are we allowing the disappointments to change our direction, to change our direction. You see, when his mercy meets me in my disappointment, I'm compelled to share it with others. I'm compelled to move in that, in the opposite direction of where my natural, my heart would go. My heart would go just to defend myself, to please myself, to get my needs met. But when Jesus meets me in the midst of my disappointment, when he begins to lift my heart, I'm compelled to think of others who are also disappointed. I'm also compelled. I'm compelled to, to think of others who are going through despair. It says in Luke 22, 31, 32, and the Lord said to Simon, 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 behold, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen your brothers, strengthen thy brethren. God wants to bring us into a place where we could encourage one another. I praise God for this church. This church truly has the ministry, the, the, the gift of encouragement. I've, I've, I've never been in a church that is so encouraging like you guys. Somebody encouraged me even before the message and said, I was looking, I'm looking forward to hearing you, the word that you're going to share. I know it's going to be good. I, I hope it doesn't disappoint, uh, but, but they, they did not disappoint me. God did not disappoint me in using that brother to get, bring me encouragement, encouragement when I need it. And notice, understand the urgency. First point under this uh, uh, thing of allowing our direction to be changed. Notice the urgency. And they rose up that very same hour. This is talking about the disciples who, who um, encountered Jesus on the way to Emmaus. And finally Jesus opens their eyes. And, um, and he disappears. And they realize, wow, it was the Lord talking to us all the time. And it says in Luke 24, 38. And they rose up the very same hour. And returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together. Why, why didn't they wait till the next day? Why, why did they just get up that very same hour? It was late. They had told Jesus, it's late. Come inside. Eat dinner with us. It's late. In other words, it's not time to be traveling on the road. And that very same hour, they said, we can't wait to tell others that Jesus is alive. I can't hold it in. I've got to encourage others and tell them God is worthy of our praise. When God meets you in your disappointment, 
Something rises up within you that says, I've got to share it with somebody because somebody may be going in the wrong direction. And there's an urgency to tell them. There's an urgency because disappointments can lead to despair. Despair could lead to a discouragement and, and despondency and, a, and, a, and a, a desire to just end it all. There are people maybe in the house today that just feel like they've reached the end. That they're saying, I can't take it anymore. It's too much. The disappointments are all over. I've failed. The people around me have failed. The people I trusted in, the, the people I've loved have failed me. Churches have failed me. Ministers have failed me. Leaders have failed me. Family has failed me. And, and, and now is the time. It's urgent that we encourage one another in the Lord and say, don't give up the fight. God is faithful. He was faithful to me. He'll be faithful to you. We all go through disappointments. But let's encourage one another. And let's stir one another up. To hang in there. To hang on to the Lord. And to know that God is hanging on to them. Understand the urgency. The angel told Mary and the, the ladies at the tomb, go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. He is going to meet them in Galilee. Go quickly. Don't waste. Don't waste the time. Encourage one another. Amen? Understand the urgency. Let your love for him flow to those whom he loves. If, we, if we're just me and God, me and God, you know, it's like, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Don't touch me. Don't, 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 don't speak to me. I love you, Jesus. Please get your hand out of the way. I love you, Jesus. He says, Peter, do you love me? Feed my lambs. Peter, do you love me? Take care of my sheep. It's always leading us in that direction, changing us from a self-centered life. Because we could get self-centered and be in church. And God, in his mercy, will allow disappointments in our life to come. So he can redirect our direction, change our direction. So that we could be other-centered and be uh, other, uh, aware of others around us and the needs around us. Amen? Let your love for him flow to those whom he loves. And trust him to do the work in those that you've witnessed to. You don't have to do the work in them. God is just calling you to encourage them and to lead them and to speak life into their, into their hearts. But God is the one that will do the work. Remember in John 20, 24 through 29, Thomas was not with them when he shows up behind closed doors. So they tell Thomas, they tell Thomas, he showed up, he's alive, everything he said is true. Thomas, you know his reaction, he says, nah, I don't know. Okay guys, you've lost it. Unless I see him, unless I put my hands in the scars of his hands, unless I, I touch I'm not going to believe. And we would want it to be like the very next day he shows up. To, or right there he shows up. Hey, Thomas, how you doing? Eight days later. That must have been the longest eight days of Thomas's life. Hearing the disciples boast about the glory of God. The power of a resurrected God. And Thomas is like, hmm. Hmm. Probably even feeling condemned for saying what he said, right? Man, why did I have to open up my big mouth? Now I'm delaying the purposes of God for my life. But we know that God has his timing, perfect timing for all those who we witness to. We don't have to hammer it over their heads. We can trust God and know that our lives are in the palm of his hand. And eight days later, Jesus reveals himself to Thomas. Amen. Lastly, can we allow 
our disappointments, to bring us to that place where we, we, we allow his declarations to bring us cheer, what he has spoken to bring cheer to our hearts. Disappointments are meant to lead us back to his word, back to what he has spoken. Remember, Jesus had already told the disciples what was going to happen. Time and time again, he had told them. And yet they couldn't understand it. And then when it happens, he says, just like he said, even the angels would say, just like he said, he was going to be raised up after three days. It's like bringing, bringing us back constantly to what he has spoken so that his word would be the source of our joy. His word would be the source of our strength. Amen. In fact, for what other reason would God himself cause the disciples not to be able to recognize Jesus on the road to Damascus? It says in Luke 24, 16, the New Living Translation says, but God kept them from recognizing him. Why? Because he was going to open up the word to them. You see, we're not called to live by what we see. We're called to live by what we believe. The just shall live by faith. And faith in the word of God. Amen. So we want the word of God to bring us cheer. To bring us back our joy. To bring us back to that place of victory that we were singing about not long ago. And they said in Luke 24, 32. And they said one to another. Did not our hearts burn within us while we talked with, while he talked with us by the way. And while he opened to us the scriptures. His word is the ultimate authority in your life and in my life. The disciples were behind closed doors for fear of the Jews. And Jesus just shows up. He doesn't even knock. He just comes in. And what does he do? He speaks a word into their lives. He says, peace be unto you. All those who are troubled, all those right now who don't know what tomorrow holds because of all your disappointments, because of all the trials that you're going through, Jesus is speaking peace to your life. You may be living in fear and keeping yourself from uh, other people. You're living in isolation. You don't want to get involved in church. You just want to come and somehow uh, hide behind and disappear behind. He's saying, peace, you don't have to hide from me. I've got a purpose and a plan for your life. Receive ye the Holy Ghost, he says to them. And then he says something amazing. He says, whoever sins and you forgive, they shall be forgiven. When he speaks forgiveness, you can forgive. Jesus Christ, who took our sins on the cross, enables us to forgive even those who have disappointed us. You don't know and you feel under the weight of shame and, and guilt because you know God calls you to forgive, but you can't because the disappointment is so deep. It's so grievous. They have hurt you. The wounds are real. The, the cut is deep. We're not denying that, but it can't be deeper than the scars that were on Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. The wounds will never be deeper than the wounds that he was afflicted with for your sin and for my sin. So receive ye the Holy Ghost. He gives you the power to forgive. He gives you the love and the grace and the faith to be able to step out and walk in forgiveness. Amen. His word enables us to do what we cannot do in our own strength. And the ultimate disappointment, lastly, is not ours. The ultimate disappointment is not for you and I to handle. The ultimate disappointment belongs to the enemy. 
of our souls. To the accuser of the brethren. 1 John 3.8 says, For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. In other words, that he may disappoint the devil. That he may take from the devil what he boasted and thought was his. Now he takes it back for the glory and the honor of his Father. He says, It's mine. I paid the price on, on Calvary for them. And now they belong to me. So take that devil. You are the one disappointed. You have the ultimate disappointment. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against against us, which was contrary to us. And he took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross and having spoiled principalities and powers. He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. God has made an open display of your enemies and my enemies. It's not you and I that are called to walk in disappointments. It's you and I that are called to cast our disappointments on the one who disappointed hell, the one who disappointed the grave, the one who disappointed the world, the one who overcame the world, the one who disappointed the enemy's plans and tactics over our life and brings us into triumphant victory. God is calling us into victory. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you're disappointed, God loves you. If you're not disappointed, he still loves you. If you're facing disappointments or dealing with past disappointments, he loves you. And nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Oh, death. Where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? Where is your boasting now? No weapon that is formed against me shall prosper. And every tongue that rises up against me in judgment, I'm going to condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Amen, amen. Will you stand with me this afternoon? Hallelujah. God, we thank you. Thank you that our victory is in you. In the crucified one and in the resurrected one. God, you triumphed over, vic over, over every demonic power, over sin and death. And you purchased our victory on Calvary. So that we can rise up in the midst of our disappointments and give you glory. So God, today I pray that those that respond to the altar, whether it be one or many. God, I pray you give them that victory. Give them that faith. Dear God, that comes from uh, a trusting in the one who cannot fail and cannot disappoint. God, I pray, Father, that their song would be the very song we sang earlier. God, I got my joy back. I got my peace back. In the middle of my disappointments, I got my victory back. I got my hope back. Thank you for this, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you have not experienced victory over sin. My friends, the guilt and the shame and the conviction that comes over your heart is a disappointment that God wants to deal with right now. He wants to deal a death blow through his cross into your life and give you the victory. He died to take that disappointment away from your life. He took upon his shoulders your sin and all the guilt and all the punishment that you and I deserved fell upon our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. 
And if you don't know that, if you haven't experienced that freedom from that guilt, that shame, and that choice of lifestyle, and those bondages, and those chains, come today. I don't care if you grew up in church. If you haven't experienced freedom, this is not about a mental assent, a consent with, with the ways of God. This is about a heart transformation, about being changed and born again into the, uh, the, the kingdom of God. Being born again, washed anew, given a new heart, a new mind. If that's you, come. I don't care if you're Catholic. I don't care if you brought up in a Pentecostal church, and I don't care if you danced and leaped and jumped, but if you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, you just know him theologically, you don't know him experientially, come, the altars are open so that you may encounter the resurrected, the resurrected one this afternoon. And for all of those who are going through the disappointments of their life, you're just being bombarded. You don't know how to deal with it anymore. You feel like the disciples, so despondent, so in despair, you come today. Jesus Taylor made this message for you so that you can receive victory in the midst of your disappointment. As the musicians praise, come. The altars are open. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for these brothers. Thank you for this sister, dear God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, I pray for those who don't know you as the resurrected one who conquered death. God, I pray you conquer sin and death in their life, even now, even now. Break the chains. Let them know beyond a shadow of a doubt that they belong to you, that they are yours. It's not about repeating a prayer. It's not about some formula. It's about you doing a work in their life. We put our trust in no other name but your name, dear God. Set them free. And God, bear witness. Holy Spirit, bear witness to their heart that they are children of the Most High God. And we thank you for this. For those of you who are here for any disappointments in your life, let me just share quickly the lyrics to a song by Laura Story called Blessings. We pray for blessings. We pray for peace, comfort for family, protection while we sleep. We pray for healing, for prosperity. We pray for your mighty hand to ease our suffering. But all the while you hear each spoken need, yet love is way too much to give us lesser things. Because what if your blessings come through raindrops? And what if your healing comes through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know that you're near? What if the trials of this life are your mercies in disguise? We pray for wisdom, your voice to hear. We cry in anger when we cannot feel you near. We doubt your goodness, we doubt your love. As if every promise from your word is not enough. All the while you hear each desperate plea and long that we'd have faith to believe. When friends betray us, when darkness seems to win, we know that pain reminds this heart that this is not our home. What if my greatest disappointments or the aching of this life is the revealing of a greater thirst that this world could never satisfy? What if trials of this life, the rain, the storms, the hardest nights are your mercies in disguise? Jesus has been right beside you. You may have not seen him in the midst of your trials, in the midst of your disappointments, in the midst of your battles. He's been right there just like he was with the disciples on the road to Emmaus, just like he was on the shore when the disciples were trying to get a catch and being frustrated because they caught nothing. He's right there, right there in the middle of your frustrations, in the middle of your battles. He's been so close. 
and the plans that he has for your life exceed anything that you could have imagined. It says in, your word, in his word, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Unto him be glory in the church. Exceeding abundantly above. So let the disappointments come. Let our hopes be dashed and our, our dreams crumble. Because what God has is much greater than any dreams we can fashion. Bring it on. Bring it on. Father, restore, restore joy, restore hope, restore confidence. God, make us like those disciples that have gotten a glimpse of the resurrected Jesus and run quickly to others to encourage them to not let go and to not give up and to not be give in to despair. We thank you for this. We give you glory. We give you praise in Jesus name. Amen. God bless you all. Encourage one another.